Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Joe Castellano from thesportsvirus.com. Welcome to the Inside China Basin San Francisco Giants baseball podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, featuring our regular guest, two-time World Series champion, former Giants reliever, George Contos. Gabe Kapler is not Bruce Bochy, so he's going to run things his way. And I'm sure with Farhan, they've had their discussions on what the best course of action is for the ball club. Inside China Basin is brought to you by Keynes Tire in San Rafael, the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. Coming up, we're going to hear from Steve Croner from the San Francisco Chronicle. But first, here's a word from our sponsor, Keynes Tire in San Rafael. When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Canes Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Canes has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Canes prices beat Costco's prices every time. Canes Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give them a call at 415 453 2942. That's 415 453 2942 for Kane's Tire. Well, joining us this week on our Inside China Basin Giants podcast is Steve Croner from the San Francisco Chronicle. Steve, thanks a lot for joining us. Really appreciate it. Joe, my pleasure. Steve, uh, you get a chance to fill in a lot of times on Major League Baseball or let's say it's the Warriors. And when you're filling in on, let's say, the Giants, uh, how much of a challenge is that? Because you're not around the team all the time, but I know you do follow the Giants very closely. Yeah, that's a good question, Joe. It's not as hard as it might be um, had I not been doing this for a number of years. The first year or two that I was doing it, both, say, for the Giants and A's, you know, you're not the beat writer. You're not out there five or six days a week. You're out there once or twice a homestand. It's harder to build relationships with the manager, with coaches, with players that way. But, you know, after a while, I think my face is somewhat recognized, certainly for, not for its good looks, but at least just for being around there. <laughs> and sadly, because of the pandemic, even the beat writers the past, you know, year plus have not had the same relationship with uh, players, coaches, managers as they normally would. So, um, all things considered, it's, uh, it's, it's a nice uh, respite from doing office work to be out of the ballpark uh, once or twice a week. Yeah, it really does have to be difficult for everybody concerned that you couldn't really hang around in the clubhouse and get those little inside stories that you would always get. Hopefully it returns to that at some point. But this last year or so, uh, I don't know that the regular average person reading these stories realizes how difficult it is uh, when you don't get those inside scoops. Right. It's, I mean, it's, it's hard to get great quotes, so to speak, if you don't know the person. Um, and the best way to know the person is to be out there and, you know, and, and you know, there's a, there's a relationship that, you know, the players are, are somewhat wary of reporters, understandably, because they're afraid a lot of times that, you know, what they say might be misinterpreted or misconstrued. But I think if, you, if you're out there enough and, you know, you do your due diligence and show you're a decent human being and you're not out there to, you know, to undermine somebody's uh, credibility, I think most, most players will, will trust you and, and you, it's easier to get better quotes that way. Um, now, 
uh, last year it was all on Zoom. At the beginning of this year, it was all on Zoom. This, you know, about the middle of June or so, when things were looking better than sadly they are now, we were able and still are able to get onto the field to talk to the manager and occasionally to the players. But it's not nearly the same as being there before the game a few hours and talking to somebody at his or her locker. Um, there's, you know, that, that, that kind of relationship is, is hard to build over Zoom and over, you know, a, a brief on-field uh, two-minute interview. Yeah, it's especially difficult when you have a new player. And I did want to ask you about what you think of Chris Bryant as a fit. I mean, he comes in and, uh, you know, you're trying to get to know him a little bit as much as you, you can. But on the field, uh, you know, I was really rooting for the Giants to get him because you got to love his versatility. He's a clutch player. He has power. Uh, he's an even keel guy. It seems like a really good clubhouse guy. Yeah, you know, I'm always up somewhat afraid to talk about who's a good clubhouse guy and who isn't. We're not in the clubhouse. Even even when we were in the clubhouse to an extent before the pandemic, you know, we were in there for a certain amount of time. You don't really know what's going on when the doors are closed. True. But he certainly he certainly seems to be a guy who would fit the Giants mold. Like we we did talk to Brandon Crawford the day of the trade and Brandon said, you know, what he knew of him at the time was that, you know, he was a solid guy and uh, very good player and was kind of someone who was professional and not, you know, too out there, which he said is a lot of the way a lot of the guys in their clubhouse are. So, again, without going too far afield, uh, you know, I, I don't know definitively that he's a great fit in the clubhouse, but I certainly don't know that he's not. I, I can't say, I think, going back to your original point, I think he's a great fit on the field because they've had so many injuries at so many certain spots, and he can – fill in at five spots and, and even play a little shortstop this season. I don't think he's going to be subbing for Brandon Crawford anytime soon at short, but, you know, if you got down to a 12th inning game and, you know, somehow Brandon was out of the game, you could even play Chris Bryant there. So the fact that he's so versatile, the fact that he is a right-handed power bat, um, those things, just, just those two things, his versatility and his right-handed power bat, made him a perfect acquisition by – Farhan Zaidi at the uh, trade deadline. He was by no means a savior when you think about it. This team, as you said, all of the injuries, they seem to survive no matter what is thrown at them, and nobody was picking them before the year. Do you think that the Giants should have been getting some more national play as we go along? I mean, Mike Kruko has come out and said that uh, he thought that more of the national uh, baseball uh, journalists should have been talking about the Giants, but they really aren't. I mean, this team has been in the, base, the best team in baseball for a little while now. Yeah, I mean, I, on, on that kind of thing, sure, on one level, the Giants have had the best record in baseball, and it's not as if it just happened. It's been happening for a couple of months. Yeah. But, you know, you're not going to tell people what to cover. It's like you're not going to tell fans you've got to come to the ballpark. Those things kind of happen on their own. And it, obviously, I don't think it's bothered the Giants. They've stayed as the, the team with the best record in baseball for a long time. Um, you know, you can just say, hey, the national media is missing a hell of a story. It is missing a hell of a story. The Giants are, have been ridiculously good this year. And, you know, you go back to what people expected or not. To be honest, I, I would, there's no way in the world I would have expected this type of record at, at, at the beginning of April. I did think they had a chance to contend. I thought they had a chance to be 
let's say, the second wild card. I thought their offense was going to be pretty darn good and that their starting pitching was going to be very pretty darn good. I was very skeptical of the bullpen. I was wrong about that. And I was skeptical, really skeptical, about their defense. And I was wrong about that. So if the national media is missing something, I don't think it's a big deal. The Giants just keep on going. They do. I mean, you know, it's players like Lamont Wade that kind of, you know, they, they come up in the middle of the season and just uh, – have a season like he's having, and that's what makes a big difference for a winning ball club. I mean, to me, he's the best newcomer they have, uh, and, and I don't think anybody ticketed him for the kind of season he's having with the power, uh, the way he plays defense. I mean, he's just been uh, spectacular for them, and, and you keep in mind that he had to go down to the minor leagues at one point this season. Right, and I mean, to me, he's a perfect example, of I think, of how they've succeeded. One, he was a guy who was on, on whom there was not a lot of expectation, but two, he's hit a lot of home runs. That's one of their the big keys to their success, obviously. And it's not maybe this is another reason, perhaps, that the national media hasn't caught on to the Giants because, you know, Buster Posey's having a great season, but because he's playing two out of every three games, he doesn't have enough plate appearances to qualify for, uh, you know, the the batting title at the moment. So you don't have one guy or two guys. They don't have. Shohei Otani, who's got who's leading the league in homers, so they don't have a guy who's hitting 350 and qualifies for the batting title at the moment. What they do have is a lot of guys who've hit 10, 12, 15, 18 homers, and you know that's that's gone a long way to them having the best record in baseball. Absolutely, and Lamont Wade is a is a perfect example of that. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about an MVP, it is hard because, like you said, they don't have one player that's standing out. Posey doesn't have the at-bats. Uh, Crawford's numbers are really good, and he's playing excellent shortstop. But I don't know that it jumps out as, you know, it's MVP. He's hitting 340, and he's got 30 home runs. It's not that as far as the numbers are concerned. And when you have the overall good team, maybe you miss out on getting an MVP. Right. No, I, and I, I believe, you know, a night or two ago, uh, Greg Papa and – uh, George Contos were having the discussion of who's the MVP of the Giants at the moment. Was it was it Brandon Crawford or Buster Posey? And and you know I, I think they're one and one A, and you can't go wrong either way. But if somebody you know forced me to pick, I, I would pick Crawford only because he's playing every day. Look what Posey has done with the with the pitching staff is great. What Posey, uh, you know what they missed from Buster not, Buster not playing last season. Obviously, an understandable decision by him, but you know you can see by how much he's contributed playing two thirds of the season. You know how valuable he is to that team. But you know I, I think Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey will get MVP votes. But do I think either of them will win the MVP? Probably not. As far as Posey is concerned, uh, I've been proven wrong in saying that I thought he should have played more. Uh, it looks like they've handled it really perfectly, but I can't help myself, Steve. Every time I see the lineup and Posey in, isn't in there because he's resting, I cringe. I mean, it's not that Casale hasn't had his moments. He has. And it's not that it's you know terrible if you have Ruff or, let's say, Flores playing first base instead of throwing Posey over there. And he has not played at first base at all this year. But I just felt like he should be in the lineup a little more often, especially to throw him in at first base. Again, I, I feel like I'm wrong in saying that. But what were your thoughts about it as we progressed through the season? My first thought, Joe, and I don't say this very often, is I think you're wrong. <laughs> I, I think, you know, it's kind of like people used to get upset when they'd come out to uh, – 
a Giants day game after a night game and Barry Bonds wasn't playing. And, you know, I said, well, God, I paid my money. I understand that. (laughs) But one of the reasons Bonds was so sick, obviously there are a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons he was successful is that he did take a break every now and then. One of the reasons Buster Posey is having the season he's had is that he's had breaks. I mean, he didn't play at all last year. That's one thing. He's playing the most demanding position at catcher, and he's, you know, in his early to mid-30s. I think what they've done by giving him basically one day off out of every three is one reason why he's been so successful. Now, as we get closer to September, you know, might you see him catch three days in a row, or might you see him play first base for a few innings in a game? Yeah, I think by at this point, you know, and particularly assuming the race stays tight and there's such a big difference between being in first and being in second, that maybe he does play down the stretch a little more. But I, I have no question at all that one big reason for his success is that he hasn't been pushed too hard. I agree. And, and I don't mind being wrong every once in a while. You know, the guy who can't be wrong, though, or he will get criticized heavily, is the manager, Gabe Kapler. And he hasn't been wrong yeah. all that often this year. But, I mean, if he makes one mistake, it seems like the fans want to jump all over him because, they, you know, everybody loved Bruce Bochy. What's your evaluation of Kapler? You know, it's hard to argue with success. I mean, even last season, you know, people forget, you know, obviously there was so many other things going on in the world and everything else, but the Giants were 8-16, and 16, I believe, for the first almost half of that 60-game season. And somehow they turned it around and got to the last day of the season still in contention for one of the playoff spots. So I think even last year he, he did a much better job than people might have realized. I mean, this season, you know, you can go to a Lamont Wade or you can go to, uh, you know, guys who are playing part-time, Darren Ruff, and you'd say, you know, God, if they only would play every day, just think what their numbers would be. And then my, my retort to that would be, well, their numbers are good because they're not playing every day because right. Kapler's putting them in, posi- in the best positions to succeed. Now, obviously, it doesn't always work, and it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, Darren Ruff can't hit right-handers. And for a long time, it did mean that Lamont Wade couldn't hit left-handers, but he did get a hit against the left-hander. But, you know, I, I think a lot of the success the Giants have had is because Kapler has manipulated the roster in a way that guys are in the best spots to succeed. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens uh, certainly a great percentage of the time. Well, maybe his greatest attribute, too, is that, Steve, he's he's going with these hockey line changes. Like you said, I mean, you know, you're, you're not going to play all the time. You, you may not even play the whole game. You're going to get pinched hit for. Right. And you have not heard about players being disgruntled about that. I mean, especially when you're, you're the best team in baseball, you're generally not going to hear anything negative like that. But you just didn't all the way through. And I wondered about veteran players you know, maybe privately being pissed off about being taken out of the game in the middle of the game or not playing because, you know, it's lefty-lefty, but you just haven't heard that. No, and, and maybe in going back to part of our – is that we were not – reporters aren't able to get to the players as easily as possible. But, right. no, I think, you know, winning is uh, – I believe uh, John Madden's line was winning is a great deodorant. You know, <laughs> it, if, you're, if you're being platooned and your team is – 12 games under 500, you're going to say, hey, dang it, you know, if, if I played more, maybe we'd be 500 or whatever, and there'd be reason to be upset. But A, if you're winning, and B, and I, I think these guys, too, are smart enough to realize, you know, 
maybe the reason I've got 15, 17 homers this season is because he's putting me in the right spot. Um, you know, if you think about it, too, I mean, part of it is because they've had so many injuries, he's had to mix and match. If they had their original lineup, which they might get soon, we still don't know, but if they had their original lineup that they expected in the beginning of April, I think you'd have had three guys play every day. Brandon Crawford, Evan Longoria, and Mike Yastrzemski. Everybody else was going to platoon. Even Brandon Belt, whom I think is, you know, is one of the most underrated players of the past decade. Even Belt, I think, against left-handers was not going to play. He, he would have played Ruff or uh, Flores at first base instead of Belt. So, I mean, he going into the season, this was no mystery. The only guys who were going to play, you know, say 145 games or more, uh, or at least start, right? Because you mentioned a lot of these guys come in in the sixth or seventh inning, um, would have been Longoria, Crawford, and Yastrzemski. So, you know, this is not a surprise. It's, it, it's just a surprise that it's been so successful. The only thing that, that I do get a little uh, concerned for the Giants on the line changes is at, at some point, you know, it's like your bench is now empty. Right. You think, okay, I'm going to line change for a couple guys, but I, I want to leave, you know, say, Ruff on the bench, or I want to leave Flores on the bench in the eighth or ninth inning when I need to pinch hit for the pitcher and, you know, the, the game's on the line. That's the only thing about which I'm a little skeptical of line changes, but again, I'm probably wrong because they have the best record in baseball. Yeah, and what about if you're three for three in the game? We saw this earlier in the season. I think Listella right. was three for three, and then he got pinched hit for. Or if you're hot and you've hit home runs in, let's say, three out of the last four games, and now all of a sudden you're sitting down because they want to do a little bit of a platoon. We've seen that, and you never would have seen that with Bochy. I don't think it's just just Bruce Bochy. I don't think you wouldn't have seen it with very few managers. Right. right. I do remember a stretch. Uh, I want to say it was between Lamont Wade and, and Darren Ruff playing first base, I think, when Belt was out. And one guy was having a great game, and but, you know, the lefty came in against Wade, so up came Ruff, or Ruff was having a great game, and then, and then a righty came in, so in came Wade. Um, yeah, I mean, you can you can – you know, nitpick on those on those decisions. But the one thing you'll say about it, I, I think, you know, players really appreciate consistency. You hear Mike Kruko often talk about it in terms of umpires. You know, if the guy's going to call low strikes, as long as he consistently calls low strikes, players can deal with that. Well, if the players know, you know, that even if I'm three for three, if, if the opposite side or the same side pitcher comes in to face me, I'm probably going to get pitch hit for, and he does that consistently. I think players will appreciate it. If it just happened happenstance, there might be more reason to be upset. Here's the other aspect that kind of surprised me too, and I've talked about it a lot this year, Steve, is the veteran players buying in with new hitting coaches who have never played in the major leagues and making changes because you see Crawford, different stance, different approach, even Posey, that stance is different. These guys have bought in, and it it just surprised me because I I would think that as a veteran, sometimes you're going to be a little more stubborn about how you're going to approach it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, as they say, I think that says a lot about the coaches. It also says a lot about Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey that, I mean, look, these guys have had, you know, excellent careers. Posey's is borderline, if not if not in the Cooperstown territory. And for them to say, you know what, I need to make these changes a decade into, you know, excellent careers, I think it says that they're 
pretty self-aware, and it says that they believe that what the coaches are saying is true. If, if, if they didn't believe it, they were skeptical, they'd go back to you know what got them 10-year careers in the big leagues with uh, three World Series rings for Posey and two for Brandon Crawford and Brandon Bell. All right, so the Giants have gotten this far, uh, the way it stands, and I wanted to talk about the bullpen because can you win a World Series closing games with Rodgers and McGee? You've gotten this far, and, and you know the numbers are great, especially for Rodgers, but can you win a World Series with those guys closing out games? I, I'm not sure. What do you think? Well, I mean, the only way to know is to, for them to get to the World Series. I, you know, my short answer is yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know why people have been, you know, somewhat skeptical of Tyler Rogers and, and Jake McGee. I mean, you, you mentioned Rogers' numbers have been great. McGee's numbers are ridiculously good if you look at strikeouts to walks, if you look at strikeouts to innings pitch, if you look at walks to innings pitch. Look, they've had a couple of, uh, of games that uh, were dramatically lost. Let's put it that way. And everybody does, perfect. right? Everybody does, yeah, yeah. Nobody's perfect. Mariano Rivera didn't save every game. Dennis right. Eckersley didn't save every game. Um, I mean, the, I think the one question you would have with Tyler Rogers is that in, you know, in this day and age, you want your closer to get a lot of strikeouts. He doesn't do that. But if he's still getting you know, ground outs or ground balls into double plays to get out of jams, you know, the, the, the real objective is to get out. It doesn't make any difference whether they're strikeouts, pop-outs, ground outs, or fly-outs. If you get out, you're, you're effective. And, and Jake McGee does get strikeouts and doesn't walk very many guys. I mean, to me, he, Jake McGee is, is the quintessential closer for, for this day and age. And just because he's had a few blips doesn't change that at all. So, I mean, until they get to the World Series, we won't know, we won't know that, that uh, you know, definitively. But I, I wouldn't say, he certainly wouldn't say definitively they can't. Right. I'll put it that way. Right. No, that's a great answer. Uh, and then as far as the starters, um, you know, these guys have just been fantastic. But they seem like maybe they're running out of gas a little bit. You have Dee Sclafani going on the I.L. with a dead arm. And you've got Cueto with a flexor issue. And, and we've seen Gosman not be the same guy, especially with that split finger. It just doesn't seem like he has the same feel for it. So you have to hope that these guys all kind of regroup and get back to where they were, right? I think, Joe, I think that's one where I, I really would agree with you. If, if, if you're a Giants fan, to me, that, that's the biggest concern from the middle of August to the postseason. And uh, if you're a Giants fan, hopefully deep into the postseason. That their starting pitching, which was so good through the first half of the season. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, their, their power, their versatility, they're surprisingly good defense and better than people realize bullpen. But you can make a strong case. The biggest reason that they've had the best record in baseball, at least through the all-star break, was that their starting pitching was so good. I mean, for three guys, I mean, Kevin Gosman was a Cy Young candidate right behind uh, Jacob deGrom, and DeSclafani and, and Wood were not too far behind him. And then, you, you know, you get your, okay, you know, Aaron Sanchez, even with arm problems, was pretty good. Johnny Cueto was pretty good. Logan Webb has been very good lately, but he was pretty good. You know, if you had three guys really good and two guys pretty good, you're getting close to having the best record in baseball. Since the All-Star break, they, their best starter has been Logan Webb, and the other guys have not been as good and or have been hurt. 
that to me is the biggest concern for the Giants going forward. All right, Steve, put on your MLB commissioner hat and tell me what you would do about pace. Joe, you got a second? I got to go up to my room and get it. I can I can put it on, but <laughs> but if you can give me just a minute or two, I've got I've got it up in the closet somewhere. Okay, go ahead. And, and it's size eight, like Bruce Bochy or something. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> so okay, you've got pace of game, which by the way, lately the Giants have played a lot of games uh-huh. that are way over three hours. They're, they're pushing four yeah. hours. Uh, you've got uh, the shift, which of course you know is an issue because it's changed the way the game is played. And then you've got rules that were put in, like the runner at second extra innings. You got seven inning doubleheaders. You got the DH next year. What do you like? What don't you like? What do you want to change? The first thing I'm changing is the seven inning doubleheaders. And look, they didn't bother me last year at all. In the midst of the pandemic, you're trying to get in a 60 game season. Whatever you had to do to get in a 60 game season, uh, the runner at second base, all that stuff. To me. You know, just seeing baseball was really a salve. I'll admit it, I'm a baseball fan, and just being able to see the game for a few months was able was was a great, you know, was was great for a lot of people, including myself. But you know, if you're playing 162 games, the the seven inning double seven inning double header games have got to go. To me, the runner at second has got to go. The the three batter minimum, which was going to be instituted before the pandemic anyway. At first, I, uh, I wasn't big on it, but that really hasn't bothered me. I, I think it's fine one way or the other. I don't think that affects a whole lot. Um, and the pace of play, I, I don't know how you're going to do it. I, I mean, I, I hate for any of your sponsors uh, to hear this, but to me the only way you can really do that is to take a half minute out of each, out of each half inning and say we're not selling that, you know, instead of having – two-minute, uh, two 10-second breaks or two-minute, 40-second breaks, we're going to have, a, uh, you know, a minute 40 or at the most 210. We just – then you're taking, you know, what is that? If I can do math, you know, close to uh, – you know, you're taking nine minutes out of the game. Right. That, that's the only thing that's going to – you know, the, to me, the, one of the dumbest rules that really hasn't affected much, but, the you know – the intentional walk instead of throwing four pitches, you just point the guy to first base. Well, what did what did that save? You? Not much. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> maybe forty eight seconds. That does nothing for me. And I, I am even though you know I'm, I'm not I'm not a big fan of the shifts as a fan. I, I certainly wouldn't be a fan of banning them. I think you know in football they say you know like you know an offense. You know, a new offense is installed, and the offense has the advantage for a while, and the defense catches up. Well, you know, the defense now, so to speak, has the advantage in baseball with all the shifts. But somehow, you got to you got to find a way to do it. I, I would not be in favor of you know you got to have two infielders on each side of first or each side of second, excuse me, or you've got to have infielders touching the dirt. They can't be out in the outfield. Play the guys wherever they wherever they want to play, and just. As a hitter, find a way to hit, hit them where they ain't. Yeah, no, I know. I agree with that. And I think the biggest problem in the game is one that I don't think could be fixed. It's the fact that you've got players that are working the count so much that it seems like every hitter that's up there goes to three and two and then fouls off about four or five pitches. And I don't know what you can do to change that. No, you're absolutely right. And I, I will say this, too, and I don't know that, that there uh, is any way to avoid this, but even you know the, the line changes that – that uh, Gabe Kapler employs, those do take a little bit more time. If you know, your, your pinch hitter does take a little bit more time than the guy. If you had your, you know, your straight eight guys who are playing, you know, 
eight, nine innings every game, the, you know, the, the pitch hitter, then, you know, you put up a pitch hitter that then often necessitates a, a pitching move by the opposing manager. So even the, the line changes do add to the time, but I, I, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be one to say, well, you can only pinch hit, uh, you can pinch hit only in three innings or something like that. No, you play the game the way it's been played for more than a hundred years and you find a way to, to, uh, succeed within the parameters. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, losing, losing a half minute between each inning to me is really the only solid way of doing that. And yeah. I, I, but I, but I'm not, uh, too naive to think that that's going to be adopted, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't know. We'll see how that all plays out. Oh, the finish up, I wanted to ask you about just the, the future of newspapers because the San Francisco Chronicle certainly has evolved over recent years. When you think about everything that's going on digitally and uh, you guys have podcasts now, uh, you know, there's a lot going on as far as the way you guys uh, tweet, uh, getting involved in social media. Uh, what do you think is the future? Because people looked at newspapers and saying, OK, that might be a, a dying business, but I don't think so. I mean, I think it, it's evolving and, and changing and, and people still want to read maybe just in a different way. Yeah, well, first of all, let me say I, I am not speaking for the Chronicle. I am not part of management. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, this is this is simply simply my opinion. Yeah, of course. Um, print is not uh, is not a booming business, put it that way. But we still have a very strong print subscriber base, uh-huh. and you know, I, I've and, and I'm part of that. You know, I, I think there's still there's still a a market for print. It's dwindling, no question. But there are still people who, as, as much as we, you know, focus our attention on the digital side, there are still a lot of people who really want to see things in print. How long that will last, I don't know. I will say, I mean, there were, there were predictions more than a decade ago that there'd be almost no print by now. So the, the predictions of the demise of print, though uh, probably not wrong, have been maybe at least exaggerated. But I, yeah, I think you know. I think there will always be a market for people, you know, whether it's sports, news, politics, music, whatever. People want to read about that and see that um, from people whom they trust and can put a sentence together, and they, you know, and, and the reader viewer believes that person is knowledgeable about uh, the subject matter. So I think, you know, that the, the business will survive, perhaps even thrive, but, you know, it's not necessarily going to be what it was, you know, five years ago, and it's not necessarily going to be um, certainly what it was 10, 15 years ago. But, uh, you know, I hope as someone who's still in the business and is old but not that old, I still I hope, I hope it survives, put it that way. Well, yeah, me too. I love real journalism. I'm a big fan of the San Francisco Chronicle and of you, Steve Croner. Thanks a lot for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's the first time we've had you on here. Uh, you, you know, I've run into you all the time at the Giants games and everything, not, not so much lately, but it's uh, been fun talking to you on the podcast. We'll have to do it again. I look forward to the next time, Joe. You should let me know. That's Steve Croner from the San Francisco Chronicle. Join us again next week. George Contos will be back here on Inside China Basin. For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening on the sportsvirus.com and the Believe Podcast Network. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.